0: Now, I'm excited to be back uh, today. We've had uh, a couple weeks off. We started a a study on the parables of Jesus, but then we kind of went into a two-week commercial timeout. Uh, We had the student fall retreat a couple weeks ago, and then last Sunday was the children's musical. And both of those were really good events. And today is the Sunday before Christmas. So when you think about that, you've got to wonder, what kind of a message do you hear on the Sunday before Christmas? And to me, I think there's no better message than to hear the parable of the widow and the unrighteous judge. And you're going to be thinking, that has nothing to do with Christmas. But at the end of the message, you're going to see it has everything to do with Christmas. Okay, so today in Luke chapter 18, that's where we're going to be. If you have your Bibles, you can be turning uh, to that right now. But that's where we're going to be. And it's the the widow and the unrighteous judge. Now, let me uh, read it for you. In Luke chapter 18, it starts off by saying these words. Now he was telling them, that's Jesus. Now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times... They ought to pray and not lose heart. Those are two key points of this parable. That they should pray at all times and not lose heart. And then he said this. There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God and he did not respect man. And there uh, was a widow in that city... And she kept coming to him, saying, "'Give me legal protection from my opponent.' And for a while, he was unwilling. But afterward, he said to himself, "'Even though I do not fear God nor man, "'yet because this widow bothers me, "'I will give her legal protection.' lest by continually coming to me she wear me out. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now shall not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However... When the Son of Man comes, that's Jesus, will he find faith on the earth? So there you have it. There is the parable of the widow and the unrighteous judge. Um, I think that if you want to know the secret to getting your prayers answered, this is your parable right here. The things that you find are most important to you Um, more than anything in the whole world, so much so that you take these prayer needs to God and you want to know, God, will you answer me and what I'm asking you to do for me, You're you're going to find it right here. This is your parable. There is no other passage, no other parable, nothing that you will find in the Bible that will put you where you need to be In this area of having the most important things, closest and dearest to you, to know that God is going to hear and God is going to move, then right here. This is it. If you needed to know, here it is. So you want to mark it, you want to write it down. This parable right here of all the parables, and there's a lot of parables that Jesus told. But this one here. Is my favorite parable, and for good reason. I really believe that this parable and what it says uh, takes a precedent move and what happened in my dad's life when my dad became a Christian uh, 8 to 10 years ago. Um, and I'll fill in the blanks on that as, as we go on um, throughout this message. But when I was, uh, I was saved when I was 19, I was in college, and when I came to know Jesus... I immediately started praying for my family, because my family, uh, as great as they are, they didn't know the Lord. And so as days turned into weeks, and then weeks turned into months of praying, praying that God would do to my family what he did for me, and then the years, and then the many years went by, this is the parable that kept me focused on where I needed to be. Because, y'all, there were a million times I felt like giving up. I mean, after all, God's not listening to Ed because he hasn't done anything in the life of my mom and dad. Why even bother anymore? I cannot tell you how many times the discouragement and everything that kicks in because God's not moving. God, why aren't you moving? And I would always be drawn back to what we find in this parable. How many of you here today... Uh, have been there, or maybe you're there now where you're just drained on God, why aren't you moving? This is so important to me. Whatever need you might have, every single one of us. If you're not raising your hand, you're going to be there someday. It's going to happen. And when that time comes, you remember your staying power, the ability to help you to get God's attention and to get God to move is found right here, Luke 18. 1 through 7. I have a question for you. What made David think that he could take Goliath? I wonder what made David think he could do that. Uh, What convinced Joseph to take Mary as his wife when he found out she was pregnant? And then her excuse was it literally just happened. What made him do that? I wonder... Why Job didn't kill himself when he lost everything? His wife wanted him to. What kept him in the game? The bigger question is, just take a look at our world right now and the shape that our world is in, and what makes you think you can make a difference? All of these are questions, uh, very personal questions. But what keeps you in the game against all odds when everything is going against you? Where is the hope in believing that things will turn out for the better or for the good? The answers to all of these thoughts and questions they're right here in these 7 8 verses. Now, here's what I want us to do. Let's take a look first at the widow In your bulletin, if you're taking notes, let's take a look first at the widow. What do we know about the widow? First, we know that this is a cultural thing, but in the days of Jesus, the wife of a deceased husband had no legal right to inherit the husband's estate. Did you know that? In the days of Jesus... There was a a very low priority to women in general, and not just to women, but to those who were widows. Now, you would think if anyone got a break, it would be those who are defenseless, those who are without help, those who are widows. But it was to the opposite. In the opposite, if you were a widow in the days of Jesus, you were really not doing well. Because it was a very strong male-dominated uh, society. And a widow in the days of Jesus didn't even have legal rights. I mean, she was literally lower than an animal in the days of Jesus. That's what we know about the, the widow. Here's something else that we know about the widow. We don't know, we don't know how she was being cheated... Because in this parable, she was going to the unrighteous judge seeking legal protection from my opponent. We don't know all the things involved, but the one thing we do know, the judge was for the opponent, not for the widow. That judge did not care one single bit about this lady and the problems that she was going through. Not at all. Not at all. He initially began his position by being against her. So she had every single thing going against her, didn't she? I mean, the only person that could help her is this no good for nothing, unrighteous judge, and that was it. And yet, she went to him in this parable day and night saying the same thing. Give me legal protection for my opponent. We know that she was holding on by a hair. There are many of you in here, you have been praying and seeking for answers to things where you too were holding on by a hair. You just you wonder, how much longer can I continue to seek after the thing or things that I really want to see happen in my life when nothing seems to be going on? The widow's constant appeals were hurting the judge's reputation. If you take note... In um, verse 4, it says, And for a while he, the unrighteous judge, was unwilling. But afterward, he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God, nor do I fear man, yet because this widow, see, she doesn't even have the decency to have her name spelled out. Yet because this widow bothers me, I'm going to give her legal protection. This by her continually coming to me. She wear me out. You know, in the Living Translation Bible, it says she drives me up a wall. She's a broken record, and she won't shut up. So today, I'm going to give her what she wants, so she'll leave me alone. She'll leave me alone. The judge's reputation meant more to him than helping those who needed help. And she kept on, day and night without giving up, to an unrighteous person. And we know that this was very likely a very true-to-life story because Jesus told a lot of true-to-life stories, but he did them in the form of parables because he could take something that the people of that day could relate to, and everyone loves a good story. Now, we see the characteristics of the widow, Let's take a look at the characteristics of the unrighteous judge. What do we know about the unrighteous judge? Well, number one, the judge had no regards to justice. He wasn't about justice. He was about the position. He was about the power that came with it. Maybe the name recognition. But he was for anything but for doing what was right. We know that. Because Jesus even identified this man as such. He was not for justice. He had no regards of respect to mankind, and he didn't even have respect to God himself. Now, it's one thing to run into people that are, for whatever reason, um, they're, just, they're just not the nicest people. They don't treat you nice. They don't speak well of you nice or anything uh, along those lines. It's another thing to find those who have absolute no fear of God. Because when you have no fear of God, then there are no rules. You can do anything. Because there is nothing to keep you or to bring you to where you really need to be. And this judge were was took both of those positions. And even Jesus referred to him as I said as being unjust. And then last we see that the judge was very arrogant. Very arrogant he was self-absorbed, and he was just unjust. He was an unjust judge. Now I'm going to tell you how bad the judge was. This is how bad the judge was. The judge was so bad, he is exactly opposite of the two greatest things that Jesus said you need to do in your life. Jesus was asked one day, what is the greatest commandment And Jesus said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And the second is just like the first. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two greatest commandments that Jesus said, right? And in this parable, this judge went against both of them. That's how bad he is. Jesus is telling this story, and he's making it as ugly, bad, and depressing as it comes. Why? Because he's building up for what he's saying at the end of this parable. This is the life of this unjust, unrighteous uh, judge. And then we can only begin to speculate the hard time that this widow had. And she didn't choose for her spouse to die. And yet she was still thrown into this tough situation dealing with this unrighteous judge. And keep in mind, the widow was not seeking an advantage. She just wanted justice. That's all she wanted. That's it. Not to get more or to uh, entitlements and, and, and stuff and what I deserve. This widow was not doing any of that. She just wanted justice. Every single one of us in this room, we also seek justice. We'll turn on the TV and we'll we'll look and we'll see another really sad story. And the first thing that will go through your mind is, I hope they catch that person. Or whoever did this really needs to pay. Or we'll hear something, a family member, a close friend, and they'll share something with us. And something just comes out of us that just wants to scream That's not right. Something needs to happen to make this right. We want want justice. The widow was persistent. Daily and weekly, on and on, she took her request to this unrighteous judge until she wore him down and won her request. Now what I'd like to do right now, I want us to fast forward a little bit and I want us to take a look at the righteous judge. In verse 7, Jesus said this. He said, Now shall not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? Now, when you read that, That verse, now shall not God bring about justice for his elect who cried to him day and night? Christians are God's elect. Christians are God's chosen. To be an elect means this person is a child of God. This is a believer. This is a true Christian. And being a true Christian, you have a real, a real, genuine Father in heaven, who knows you by name, who has claimed you as his child just as much as Jesus was God's son. You have become adopted. You were adopted into the family of God. And Jesus, when he says, Now shall not God bring about justice uh, who, for his elect, those who cry to him day and night? What Jesus does, Jesus uh, uses a widow as an example to set up a contrast. And that contrast is he argues from the lesser and he goes to the greater. If an unjust judge who is not like God will hear the case of a widow or a stranger, that's not who you are, if you have a relationship with Jesus, then surely, is what Jesus is saying, God's going to hear you. Why? Because you belong to Him. You belong to Him. Take a look at Hebrews 10, 19-23. You'll see it up on the screen. Hebrews 10, 19-23. It says these words. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He inaugurated for us through the veil that is His flesh, And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full of assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast. The confession of our hope without wavering. Why? Because he who has promised us, he is faithful. If you've ever wanted to see a a verse that you would want to maybe quote, if you're a Christian ball team and you take the field and you're ready to go out and kick the tail of the other players you're going up against, this is it right here. I mean, this is the verse that just screams at you. Don't you know who you are? If you know Jesus, don't you recognize the power that you have? I mean, to know, to not just know here, but to know it here, who you are, your identity in Jesus, and the role that you play, the position, the place that you play in God's heart, You can do anything. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence, as the Scripture here says, today, do you have confidence? When was the last time you really stopped to say to yourself, I'm really a Christian. I'm going to live forever. And I'm going to be with God. I'm going to see angels. I'm going to look at the people in the Bible that I've read about. You're going to get to see Adam. You get to punch him in the face for taking a bite out of that apple. You get to see Noah. You can can talk to Adam about the weird names he gave animals. You can find Job. You get to see Peter. You get to see James. James. I mean, you get to see all these people that we read about. You get to see angels. You get to see the different types of angels. You get to see angels that are warriors. You get to see big angels, and you get to see little angels. I don't know why there's a difference, but there's big and small people, so I guess there's big and small angels. I don't know. You get to see all of this. And the best part, you get to see Jesus. You get to see Jesus. Just as Mary hung on to Jesus' feet after the resurrection and Jesus said, Mary, don't touch me yet because I'm not yet ascended to the Father. Yet is that key word. You're going to get to bear hug Jesus. You're going to get to fall at his feet. You will always, and I will, you will always see the nail prints in his hand for all eternity. Because for all eternity, we're going to be reminded the only reason why we're up there is because he came down here as a Christmas gift, and he offered his life for us. You get to see it. You get a front row seat there. And I do too. That's the elect. That's the chosen. And you should have confidence in what is in you, the Holy Spirit. What do we know about God when we look at this parable? Well, we know he is just. He's not unjust. He's incapable of being unjust. God is just. He is loving. The apostle uh, John told us that God is love. God's nature is love. He hears the cries of his children. Any loving mother or father, when they hear the distress and the, the voices of their children, they will go to their children. They're going to want to know what is, what is wrong, what, what, what's going on. Because they want to fix it. When their children hurt, they hurt. God hears the prayers of his children, and God hears the cries of his children. And he will answer. Now, when you boil it all down, here's the biggest question that we need to ask ourselves today in this parable. It is not about the justice of God. Because I don't have to know everyone super good in this room, and we got visitors here today, to know no one is really going to question the justice of God, but you will question his timing. Man, I sure have. We will question his timing. Isn't that the key question? It's not about the justice of God, it's about his timing. Timing is the one thing that affects most of us. And that is because we live in a day where every single thing we do right now is what? It's instant. We want it. Now, there was an old commercial, which years ago was on TV. It was a credit card commercial. And in the credit card commercial it had all these people, and they were walking up to the counter with their credit cards, swiping it with their uh, merchandise, and they're just walking off. I mean, it's just going really, really fast. I don't know if you remember it. It's an older one. And all of a sudden, this one guy walks up, and he has his coffee or something, and the price comes up, and he takes out his checkbook, and he starts to write a check. And everyone's standing behind him. They start looking, wondering, what's going on? Why isn't this guy moving? The person behind the cashier, he's kind of you know, trying to be nice, but rolling his eyes a little bit, like, come on, get with it. I used to hate that commercial, Because to me, it told me, yes, we want you in bondage to credit, you know, run up your credit. And this guy wants to be really good with his resources and make sure he's not paying millions of dollars in in interest. But that's not the point. The point was, let's get it going. Let's move. Let's go. It's fast. It's right now. And that's the day that we live in uh, today. Everything today is made for a fast-paced, fast results. Fast answers. But that's not the way that the Bible sees things. Not at all. We know God answers, but He does so in His perfect timing and in perfect ways. Instantaneous results are never a guarantee to getting things right, they never have been. We need to remember that God knows the big picture. And what he is accomplishing in our lives. Why? Because you don't. You may think you do, but you don't. And I don't. I don't. Your job and my job is to be faithful in the meantime. To be faithful in the meantime. That widow was faithful in the meantime. Before the judge granted her that request. She was nobody. She had no help. The only thing she had to cling to was the meantime. And she clung to it by remaining faithful. The important thing to me is knowing, is God aware of the biggest needs that I have in my life right now? That, I think, is the most critical. If God is aware, and if I'm reminding God of that thing or things that I really want to see happen, that's what keeps me in the game. I've got something to hang on to. And I'm going to wear him out with that same request until I get an answer. Jesus is aware of the impatience of people. He's also aware of their unfaithfulness. We see this in his last comment in verse 8. However, when the Son of Man comes, that's Jesus. However, when the Son of Man comes, Jesus said, will he find faith on the earth? Isn't it interesting how he ties this parable into his last parting thought before he moved on to something else, which is when I come back, when Jesus says, he's talking about himself, When he comes back, when I come back, will I even find faith? Because we so quickly give up, don't we? Man, we so quickly throw in the towel. Hey, what's plan B? Because this one's not working right here. We so quickly put our eyes on the problem, and we forget about the problem solver. That giant in front of us is so big, I don't even need to pray about that one. There's no getting through that. And we move on. When the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on this earth? Did you know that the biggest problems in your life will not so much involve the things that happen to you as much as your response is and will be to your problems is the real question. The real question is not the problems It's how you respond to those problems. You know, someone once said, and you're going to see this on the screen because this is powerful. This is really, really good. Persistent prayer is the demonstration of faith in God. You know what happens when you continue to take that one need that you have to God over and over and over? You know what you're exercising? Faith, you're exercising your dependence on God. God, I'm not giving up. I'm going to hang on and I'm not letting go until you bless me. You're not giving up. He answers and his answers are always decisively and they're just. And then Jesus told us too, he said, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Is it not interesting that he tells us Don't lose heart. You know why he tells us to not lose heart in this parable? Because that's his way of telling us, sometimes when you pray, your answers, I mean, your prayers are immediately answered. He's going to move. He's going to do it. There are some times when you're praying, we don't get an answer. We have to wait. And sometimes the answer is just no. Why is it that we're so drawn to think that the answer is always no when we pray and talk to God? It's because we equate God with maybe an earthly family member or maybe it's an earthly father that was rough, that was mean, that was tough. That's not who God is. That's not who God is. When things don't go our way, the way we think that they should go, we check out. We give up. We switch gears. When our whys go unchecked and the how could yous go unanswered, We abandon our belief in God, and we begin to search for something else. That's what we do. That is why Jesus tagged on to this parable, this thing about don't lose heart. Don't give up. That's what he is saying. That's what he is saying. Uh, You know, this type of questioning of God's timing, because we would never outwardly want to say... God, sometimes your timing pretty much stinks. I mean, if you could just do it as I see it unfolding right here, we would both be very, very happy. We would never say those things, but we think them. We will imply them, but we won't say those words. Do you know, though, that mindset is universal? Oh, it's everyone in this room. We wouldn't want to admit it, but it is. Did you know that we see a small picture of that that even goes on into heaven? Because these are people. This is how this is what we think this is what we so easily give up and do. You'll see this on the screen. In Revelation chapter six, verses nine through eleven, it says these words When he opened the fifth seal, I saw the altar of the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God, and the testimony that they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, Sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? There's a seal, there is a place in heaven for those who had to give their, pay the ultimate price, which was their life, and to be a martyr for the faith that even now, right now, today, they're in glory yes but they're crying out when are you going to do something about us isn't that interesting because when you read the rest of this it says then they were giving a white robe they were given a white robe and they were told to wait boy we don't like waiting do we why are we waiting we'll find out i mean we're going to get the answers one day they're towed to wait a little while longer until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed just as they had been. You see, even in glory, there are those who are wondering about God's timing. So my question is, what are we to make of this? We know God is just. We know that ultimately he's going to make all things clear. And we know that he will what? Never leave the righteous what? Forsaken. We know that. I want to offer a window into this. And I want us to see what really needs to be seen. And I want everybody to hear this. If there's one thing today you leave with, this is it right here. Sometimes... This is worth remembering. Sometimes God has to first change you, sometimes, before He can answer your prayer. Sometimes God has to first change you before He can answer the prayers that are most dear to you. Perhaps, maybe... The reason that God has not moved in accordance to your prayers today, some of them, is because he's waiting on you. That's interesting. Could it be? I mean, if he is just and if he can be trusted, then maybe the problem regarding his timing is not so much with him as it is with us. That was the case for me. My father accepted Christ 26 years after I became a Christian. I accepted Christ literally uh, about two weeks, ten days before my second year in college. And uh, I, didn't know a, I didn't know one single thing about the Bible. I, I, knew, I only knew where Genesis was because that was the first book of the Bible. I didn't know what it meant. And when I got saved... And things started escalating so much in my life. And I was like a sponge. I wanted, I felt embarrassed because I didn't know anything. So I would just spend my time reading the Bible and getting more confused because everything I read didn't make any sense to me except for the one-syllable word parts of the Bible. And, and so, but I stuck with it. But the one thing that I knew, heaven's not heaven unless my family is with me. It's just not. It's hell. Like literal. And I started praying for my family. They had a lot of religion. They didn't have the relationship. We all know a lot of people have a lot of church, but they don't have Jesus. And uh, and that's sad, because that's close, but that's not close enough. So I started praying. You know what I... And there were so many times gosh i just wanted to just you know i could spit and chew nails because it's like god you said that your will is that none should perish but all come to repentance i agree with you on that hello my mom there's my dad there's my brother but i would pray just nonstop, and there were times i gave up Then there were other times God would come along and get a hold of my attention. I would read this, and he said, well, he said pray at all times. He said, don't lose heart. Well, I'm not praying at all now, and I've totally lost heart. I need to repent and ask God forgiveness on that and get back in the game, and I would do that. And go a long time up and down, up and down until my dad got radically saved. Radically saved. What I now know, what I did not know during that whole long time, is God was doing a lot of things in my life that I needed, I didn't know I needed. I thought I was just fine. I was not just fine. He was helping me to learn to depend on Him. Because if what would happen if God just answered your every single prayer within 24 hours, would you have any faith in God? No, because he's just, you know, he's your constant yes guy. So really, when you even now when you pray to him, it's, you're wasting your time because you know he's going to do it anyway, right? Because he always does it within 24 hours. To pray constantly, even when things don't look good, and you keep on doing it day after day, not real long periods of time, but from the heart, it can be 20 seconds. God, today, I need you to remember my mom, my dad, my brother, they're going to hell. I don't want that to happen. You don't want that to happen. I'm telling you right now, you need to do something about that. Because I'm agreeing with God. That's what God's heart is, too. He doesn't want that to happen to anybody. So he'll do things and get our attention. And he got my attention not just in that area of dependency, but boy, did I have a problem with patience. <laughs> it's the fruit of the Spirit I'm still working on. But uh, it's, uh, he, he helped me to learn this thing that we call perseverance. And I'm telling you, when you're not getting the most important thing that you want happen in your life, you're going to do one of two things. You're going to persevere and keep doing it until you take that last breath. Or you're going to give up. And when salvation is at stake, you can't afford to give up praying for other people. Amen? You can't do it. It's too important. It's too costly. And that is the question that Christ asks at the end of the parable. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? Whatever it is that you yourself are facing in life today, have you given up? Here's a question. If God were to come back today, would he find faith in you? Would he find faith? And the way you go about your life and doing what you do for your family, I'm talking to the men now, will he find faith in how you're driving that car, regarding your home, your job, your family, your kids? Are you you moving in faith? What's he going to find when he comes back? Or maybe before God can do that thing that he needs to do in your life, he needs to change something first so that when he brings about that answer, it's just going to connect. It's going to connect. We can know God's heart toward us. We see it up on the screen. Matthew 7, 7 through 11. Here's God's heart. Here it is. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, you're going to give him a stone? This is Jesus talking. Or if, you, or if he asks for a fish, is he going to give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, because we're sinners, if you are evil, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will your heavenly Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? You want to know God's heart? It's right here. He wants to. He wants to. It's not a name it and claim it, because that's not biblical. He wants to give you the things that are most important to you that lines up with His will. And we know his will about salvation, don't we? God is not slow concerning his promise as anyone counts slowness. Meaning, see, that's another timing thing. But is patient toward you, not wishing anyone should perish, but that all come to repentance. That's where it starts. I stated at the beginning of the message today that this is the ideal kind of message to bring as we enter into Christmas. Why is that? As Christians, we know the real meaning of this season, don't we? It's real simple. It's two words. God gave, didn't he? That's why we got Christmas. God gave. God gave us his son in order for us to experience the forgiveness and the restoration that is needed in order for us to experience eternal life. These are the things we know God gave. And because God gave, we are to receive. When I was at my last church on staff at Birchman Baptist Church, it was a big church, uh, it was a very active church, the biggest time God ever spoke to my heart was on a message about, ready, tithing. I ran from those messages. I'm like, okay, I know what tithing is. We're supposed to give and, and all that. And I, you know, and I give, and I, I get that. This, you know. And I remember the day when I went to church and it was going to be on tithing, which they never uh, spoke on tithing much at all. Um, I thought, well, I don't need to go. I know what tithing is. But I went. And at the end of the service, Brother Miles was done. The sermon is over. And all of a sudden they're taking up the offering and right before he prayed us out and we that's the way we did things over there he prayed us out and we were done he stopped and he said you know what i have this strange desire i need to say something and he goes it's not another sermon i'm just making a point and i'm going to pray we're done and everyone's just you know sitting there looking and i was too mostly and then he said some of you are not you you don't have a problem with giving But some of you have a problem with receiving. And I tell you, God, it's like he took a, he just took a spear and he just impaled me to the the chair I was sitting in. I've never heard that. And I thought, that's me. I don't have a problem in doing, but it's in receiving. And that was me. And I remember when he said that, he said these words. If you have a problem with receiving, you're just as bad as one who has a problem with giving. And I'm like, okay, you can shut up now. I can't even breathe. I felt like I was just getting boxed all over the place. Do you know in life you're going to be both givers and receivers? We're celebrating a holiday where God gave. God gave. And as we enter into the week of Christmas... What better way is there than to honor the Lord by being givers and receivers, but primarily givers this week? What do I mean by give? What was in the parable today that we read? What is the one thing Jesus said, I want you to do? Don't ever forget it, especially if you've got tough times happening or coming. He said, pray. He said, don't give up. Pray, 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 never give up, never lose heart. pray. I want your prayers. I want you to depend on me. I want you to have faith in me. Pray, don't ever give up. You want to know how important your prayers are? One more verse on the screen. You'll see it in Re- Revelation 5:8 it says this, "And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures, the 24 elders, fell down before the lamb. We'll talk about that in another sermon some other day. doesn't matter having each one a harp and golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of the saints there's one thing i want you to notice right there in that verse how important are your prayers to god how important are they well right here some act takes place in heaven we get to see it happen when it happens And the biggest figures, the most important figures of whoever they are, they fall down before the Lamb because they're not worthy to even stand on their their feet in front of Jesus. And the Bible says they have harps and there's music. And what do they do in this ultimate act of worship? The Bible says they take these golden bowls that's full of something and they throw it at the feet of Jesus. Why? Because they want to give Him the most precious the most valuable the thing that is closest to his heart and you know what it is it's your prayers it's your prayers i wouldn't mind a new porsche a bigger house all this stuff everybody wants to have but you know it's not going to do anything for you what do they offer him more gold none of that none of that it's garbage to him You know what they give him? They give him your prayers. At this ultimate time of act of worship, they give the Lord the one thing he desires the most. You know what it is? It's you. It's you. And it's me. So important is it, y'all, that when you pray, your prayers are stored away. And they're in a golden bowl which smells like the fragrance of something so beautiful that they throw it before the lamb. Why? Because that's what he wants. How is this like a Christmas message? You have an opportunity to renew your gift that you can give him. Starting today. If your prayer life has not been what it needs to be, you get a chance to change that today. When you go through this week and you're reminded of the gifts and everything, remind yourself of this. You get to be a gift to God by offering Him what is most important in your heart. And every time you offer Him your prayers, you're giving Him a gift. The gift that He wants. And isn't it interesting that the gift that He wants most is your undivided attention. That's what He wants. That's all He ever wants. Just like a mom or a dad wants their children to at least acknowledge that they're alive and that they remember their parents, God wants us to acknowledge Him. And so today, if you are here, you need to remember persistent prayer is a demonstration of your faith. And if a widow who had no rights could get her prayers answered, What better chance do you have in getting the things that are most important to you when you go before the King of Kings, who is the ultimate righteous judge? We need to remember, too, that persistent prayers will also uh, refine uh, your your prayers. Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's wife, made this comment one time. In this area, as I think of our prayers being refined. You know what she said? She said that she was very thankful that God didn't answer all of her prayers, or she would have married the wrong man six times. You just need to keep on praying and let God get a hold of you, let God get a hold of your prayers, let Him change you, let Him impact you, He will guide you. But he will deliver on what he says he'll do. Let's pray. Father, we just want to come before you this morning. And God, we are so thankful to be here in this place. And to to know, Lord, whom it is that we serve. Father, we just want to come before you. And God, we just want to ask that you would uh, help us in this area that we look at uh, regarding our prayer life. God, right now, every single one of us here today can feel like that widow in some way. But God, none of us feel uh, like the person that we're going to is someone that is hard and cold and hateful because that's not you. Lord, it's my prayer that today, that the biggest prayer needs that we have in our lives here today god that you would take note of what those are because lord i believe everyone here today is praying about that again lord if there is anyone in this room and they've gotten away from having a consistent prayer time with you i pray god you would help them to renew that today let them start again today get back in the game and get going in this area but lord we are thankful That because we are your children, we have you to go to in this area uh, for our needs to be met. And I pray, God, that you would move in this area. In Jesus' name, amen.